called the deep end. We have been going into topics of the Bible that require a little bit digging. We've been uh, working through some stories, all for the opportunity to deepen our relationship with Christ, our understanding of who he is, uh, and to, to get to know the word better than we ever have before. We are glad that you are here. If you have been with us, uh, or if you haven't, uh, allow me to kind of give a review of the things we've learned about so far. The first week, two weeks ago, Pastor Craig, our lead pastor, was up here. I almost said senior pastor. He's not allowed to let me use that word. Sorry. Lead pastor Craig has uh, been up here. He talked about having encounters with God. He talked about encountering Jesus, the Holy Spirit, moving in our lives and through our lives so that we can have a deeper connection to him. When Jesus wants us to encounter him, which he does, when we do, it is a good thing and an amazing experience for everybody that's involved. Last week, Pastor Josh, our youth pastor, talked about finding freedom. He talked about declaring victory over the things that hold us captive. He shared about how the power of Christ is for us to experience freedom from the things that keep us stuck, things like addiction or fear, comparison. All this stuff can keep us from having a deeper relationship with Christ. And so now, my week uh, is about transformation. My name is Pastor Matt. I am the children's pastor here at Crossroads. I love all your kids very much. I hope that they love Jesus. There is nothing that makes me happier than uh, seeing families come closer together and closer to God. But I get to be with you today to talk about transformation. We're going to choose to do stuff with the things that we've been learning about, right? The difference between knowing and doing, this is the do week. Today, we're going to look at how the power of Christ through the Holy Spirit can completely change us to show the world his glory. We are going to talk about who God has made you to be, who he wants you to be, and what it takes to transform into that person. It's going to be a lot of fun, as you can tell. Um, so before we get going, though, I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask that the words I speak not be mine, but they be God's, and then all of us can learn something together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much. I give you the morning. Lord, I give you everything that's going to happen from here on out. Lord, I pray that uh, as we're able to lift you up, as we're able to worship you, God, that well, let us learn. Let us remember that you have the power to transform our lives into something amazing, into something new. I pray that the words I speak today be your words. I pray that the Holy Spirit be among us, Lord, that you move through the church today in order for us to give you glory, for our lives to be changed forever in order to see your kingdom move forward. In Jesus' name, name all God's people said, amen. All right, so let's talk about transformation. That's my word. That's the big word we're learning about today. When I say transform, what do you think of? What are some things you think of? Transformers, yes, I'm a big nerd. The first thing I think of is the cool robots that turn into cars and trucks. That's what I think of when I hear transform. Uh, maybe if you're like my wife, you really like those house flipping shows. Maybe you think of Chip and Joanna Gaines's ability to take a fixer-upper and make it something awesome. Yeah. Maybe uh, if you're really good at marketing or social media, you spend a lot of time looking at Tuesdays is Transformation Tuesday, right? Or a show like Biggest Loser where somebody starts here and they, they have life change. They're, they're a totally new person in the end. Okay, there's lots of different ways to think about transformation, so let's come together and figure out what it means. Let's ask ourselves, what is it? When anybody in my generation has a question, what do we do? We ask Google, that's right. We ask Google, and so I did. And this is what Google says. Google told me the definition for transformation is a thorough or dramatic change in form or appearance. It is a dramatic change. Google actually had a really big list for me because there's lots of different definitions depending on your field of work. If you're a biologist working in the animal kingdom, 
uh, transformation is a metamorphosis during the life cycle of an animal. If it's physics, then it is an induced or spontaneous change of one element into another by nuclear process. That's a big, powerful word right there. That's dramatic for sure. In cellular biology, it is the genetic alteration of a cell. The genes, the form of the cell is changed. In all of these scenarios, transformation is a dramatic change. Turn to your neighbor and say, dramatic change. Right? You start with one thing over here, you do something to it, you mush it up, you change it and turn it into something new over here. You start with one thing, you do something that makes it different, and now you have a transformation. We actually have a word for this in the realm of Christian education. If any of you have been around for a while or if you've done any studies, maybe you've heard the term sanctification. Anybody say sanctification. Simply put, sanctification is the process of becoming holy. It is our journey uh, every Christian has to become more Christ-like. It starts when we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, when we ask for forgiveness, when we realize that we're messed up, we really need his help, and then he comes, we give our lives to him, and then we start to change. We transform into what God's will for us is. There is an underlying understanding that when you have an experience with Christ, life change is or should be inevitable. It happens because Christ changes us, simply because of who he is, his power as our Lord. Christ changes. Because he died and rose again, we can experience life change. You've probably heard us talk about, if you've been here before, our mission statement as a church, we exist to bring people into full life in Christ. We take that from John 10.10. John 10.10, he's explaining that he's a shepherd and he is here to see his people experience full life. We believe that life change happens when people experience Christ. So... Now, how does it happen? What do we have to do? How do we experience life change? Where does it come from? Why does it start? Now we got to understand a few things about transformation first, okay? We have to understand that transformation is a choice. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, change is a choice. choice. I'm making you all talk a lot. Are you getting tired of me already? This is what we do in kids ministry to make sure you're paying attention. Uh, That's what I want you to do. Change is a choice. We need to understand that we have to choose to be changed. It is God's power that changes us, but it's not going to happen unless we choose to take steps of faith towards the transformation that God has. It is our choice to make, but it's his power that changes us. When we do change, it is a legitimate change that comes from the inside. It's not just our actions. It's not for the sake of looking good. How many of you know people can do the right thing for wrong reasons, right? Life change, experience of Christ, transformation is about having our hearts change. It is about God creating a new heart and your character matching his will. God cares about the contents of your character. Everyone turn to your neighbor and say, change starts on the inside. Some of you are like, oh gosh, is he going to do this the whole time? Just one, one more time, okay? Change in our heart is refined character and our understanding of who we are through Christ. 
After that, it overflows into everything that we do. Once that change has happened, our actions are different, our lives are different, our mind thinks differently. What we do then is what God calls us to do, and that's to worship him. It is to give him the glory for the change that has happened. Our actions prove the change inside of us for the sake of giving God glory. Turn your neighbor one last time and say, change is a form of worship. Okay, now you can rest easy without having to be awkward. Don't worry about getting sick. It's okay. We'll be fine. We can talk to each other. (laughs) Bottom line here, what I want you to remember today, if you're going to remember anything, is that it is possible for you to experience transformation. True transformation is possible when we decide to take active steps of faith that allow God to transform our lives from the inside out. We choose to actively practice it, and then God's glory happens because we've done it. We give God the glory because of that transformation and because of that choice, and it's why we're all transformed in the first place. The Bible says that God has made us new creations. God made you new for his glory. God made you new so that you can share that with others, so that you can worship God with the new life that you have. It is your choice to change, but it's his power that does it. It is your actions that prove it, but it's for his credit. Everybody following along so far? Okay, that's good. I I expected less. Uh, I got some head nods and stuff. That's good. That's good. Okay. Well, uh, we're about to have some fun. We're going to do some goofy things today. I hope that you are awake. I'm dressed like a hobo clown, for goodness sake, and I'm the children's pastor, so you better be paying attention. Um, Before we we do that, though, we're going to read some scripture. If you brought your Bibles with, with you today, Please open up to the book of Romans chapter 13. Uh, I am going to be bouncing around a lot. If you brought your paper Bible with you today, awesome. Feel free to use it. You can try to follow me, um, but it's going to be kind of hard. So everything that I want to read will be up on the screen here. I'm going to read for you from the book of Romans chapter 13, a portion that Paul is writing. Paul wrote the book to explain that salvation comes from the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul spends a whole lot of time explaining how salvation is granted through faith. And then he goes on to explain what happens next in the life of a believer. In the life of a believer of Christ, Paul says it is time to wake up. What we're about to read, Paul is saying, hey, everybody, now that you understand that salvation comes through faith and that God loves you no matter what you've done before because all of us are sinners, we've all made mistakes, we all need Jesus, after you decide to follow Jesus, here's what happens next. He says, Romans 13, chapter 12, excuse me, chapter 13, verses 12 through 14 says, the night is nearly over and the day is almost here. So put aside deeds of the darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in daytime, not in carousing or drunkenness or sexual immorality, debauchery, not in dissension or jealousy, But, verse 14 is what I want us to read together. Take a look. It says, Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ, and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you have been distracted by my pajama pants? Yeah, is anybody following along, or are you just like, oh my gosh, what is he wearing? Who let him up here like that? Well, uh, nobody let me up here like that. Um, I I didn't really ask Pastor Craig for permission to use this illustration since he's on vacation, so you all got to learn something today, or he's never going to let me do it again, okay? 
Uh, nobody did, but I wanted to because I want, I want you to learn something. I want you to know that I love my pajamas. I love my jammy pants. They are super comfy. They uh, fit me perfectly, right? I don't mind being a grungy madman. And is there anybody else in the house who understands that jammies rock and you would wear them all the time? Yes, I love my jammies. I would wear them all day, every way, every day if I could, but I can't. Well, I mean, I guess you could. We'll talk about that later. But we all know that I probably shouldn't be up here uh, wearing pajamas. And if this was the way I seriously showed up to preach, then I would be in a lot of trouble. But for the sake of learning today, take a look at 14 again. It says, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Clothe yourselves. In the Greek, the, the language that this was written in, the word clothed here is endusaste. Endusaste is a, is a tough word. All right, turn your neighbor and say it. I'm making you do it again. Say endusaste. It is a middle imperative second person word, which means that it's a command. This word endusaste is a command that comes from enduo. It means to put on, to be within, or to be dressed with. In the context that Paul uses it here, it is literally a command that says, put on like clothing. Put on Jesus like clothing. All throughout the Bible, there's this really fun and interesting concept from start to finish, this idea that we are stuck in an old self that needs the power of Christ to transform us. There is this reoccurring idea of putting off your old self in order to put on a new self. All throughout scripture, God proves this to his people and to us that he has the power and the authority to completely change you from your old self to give you a new self. And the change is as obvious as a brand new pair of shoes, a brand new shiny suit coat. It is as obvious as a complete change of clothing. It says to wear Christ like clothes. Some, that's kind of weird to think about, but it's kind of fun to think about at the same time. More than once, Paul uses this example as well. Let's take a look at Galatians. Galatians uh, chapter three, take a look. It says, so in Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. Salvation part. We're children of God through our faith in him. But then he says, for all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. It's the same word, and endusase. The same word shows up there again. It means to put on Christ-like clothes. Transformation is deciding to wear the power of Christ like a brand new pair of clothes. It's very fun to think about. And uh, so I did. I put on my old clothes so that we can learn about putting on new clothes. Okay? It is deciding to wear Christ like clothes. Take a look at these uh, clothes I've got over here, all right? This is going to be Jesus for a second. We're going to pretend this is Jesus, brand new pair of clothes here. This is the suit coat that I got married in. It is super nice, super fresh. I've only worn it like two or three times. It even has the little thing here from the lapel, right? This is, a, this is an expensive coat. This is a good coat. This here, this is Jesus, all right? And I can look at it and I can say, Jesus, you are so amazing. I have so many good memories with you. You did so much for me. I know that you're my Lord and Savior, and thanks. But my jammies are super comfy, and I'm going to keep them on. I like my old life a lot, and I'm going to wear them because I like them and because it's just the way it is, and so there. But I, I can still be a Christian, though. I can still know that you're over there, but I, I'm going to keep my jammies on. 
When I was a little kid, my favorite day of the week was Saturday because Saturday was a jammy day. I got to get up, I got to have a big old bowl of cereal, sugary cereal, the stuff that wasn't good for you that mom didn't like you to eat, but we ate it all anyways, right? With my dad, we would watch cartoons, I'd play video games with my brothers all day. There was no obligations, it was freedom, it was jammy day. How many of you know that jammy days rock? Well, even as a grown man, I still love my jammy days, okay? I love my days, my freedom. I love to be in my jammies, but Saturday is the day right before Sunday. And Sunday comes along, and I got to change. When I was a kid, I had to change for Sunday. I grew up in the house of a youth pastor, and so my dad was with the youth. We were the first people at the church. We were the last ones to leave. And if I ever showed up to church in my jammies, my mom would be so upset, right? It would come Sunday morning, and my mom would say, go get ready for church. It's time to take off those old clothes and go put on what you need to, okay? Change was a choice, There was no way my mom was going to let me continue to to walk around in those old nasty jammies. And if we take this illustration a little bit more seriously, the only person that was going to change those clothes is me. The only person that's going to change my clothes is me. Nobody else is going to do it for you, right? Nobody is going to force my clothes off of me and put new ones on. I've got to be the one to do it. Doesn't mean that people won't tell me I need to, you know? My wife is going to say, take those off, that's awful. And as much as I would like to say, come force me, you know, never mind. <clears throat> never mind, never mind. I shouldn't, that's okay. As long as, you know, she's not going to do it. She said, no, go change right now. My wife can tell me how grungy and nasty I look. She can tell me to get a haircut. She'd tell me I would look better wearing that over there, but I've got to be the one to do it. I've got to be the one to change my clothes, right? Pastor Craig, it would not appreciate it if I showed up every Sunday looking like this for the sake of an illustration or not. He would be like, come on, man. If I wore these five days straight in the office, he'd probably send me home. I'd probably start to smell bad. I'd probably, you know, he, he, could, he could send me home. He could fire me if it came to it. But I could still be in my jammies for as long as I wanted. I didn't have to change. He's not going to force me to do it. And guess what? When it comes to your old self, all of the sin that we live in, Jesus is not going to force that off of you either. You have to decide to give it up. We have to decide to take off the old self that we're comfortable with, that's easy to us, that makes us feel good. Whether we want it here or not, we're in it and we have to choose to put it off and put on new self. It is your choice to change, but it is his power that transform you. Everybody understand in here? He will tell you that he wants you to have a relationship with him. He will show you what you need to get rid of. The Bible says the Holy Spirit convicts us. We will be told what old self is supposed to come off, and we will be told what new self needs to go on. You might be saying, well, Pastor Matt, I don't hear from Jesus. I don't hear God speak to me. I don't hear God tell me to change. I don't hear God tell me that I need to repent from the things that I'm doing. You don't hear Jesus? Well, let me speak for him right here in the Bible where his words are. It says, Matthew chapter four, verse 17, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. In Luke chapter five, verse 32, Jesus says, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. John 3, 3 says, Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Those are the words of Christ, and he is speaking to you. 
He speaks to you through the Bible. He speaks to you through your friends who know Jesus. He speaks to you through the wise people in your life that have experienced transformation. You might not have this divine radiance from God that says, hey, you need to stop being rude to your wife. But guess what? God says over and over again, it's time to put off old self and put on Christ. Says it right there. And I believe that it's God's words. It is your choice to change, but his power that transformed you. Jesus says, I have come to see you changed. Experience full life that only one person can grant, the son of man, and that's Jesus. But it starts on the inside. Life change starts on the inside, right? Because like I said earlier, we can do the right thing for wrong reasons. Sometimes, We treat change like this. We treat change a lot like a name tag, okay? We treat change like a name tag. We say, okay, you know what, Jesus? I understand that you want me to change and I want you to, but you know what? I don't, that's a little hard for me. So I am just going to use a name tag. I'm a Christian now and you saved me. I know I'm going to heaven. So let me just put on Jesus really quick, like my name tag, so that everybody knows and can see that I know that you are sending me to heaven. But... Don't ask me to change my clothes. Here it is. Ready? I got my name tag on. I'm a changed man. Check it out. My name tag says Jesus. If I showed up to church like this, my mama would kill me. I'd be like, look, mom says new clothes right here. No, that's not how it works. We often treat change like a name tag. Our old self is really comfortable, right? This is selfish. It's rude. It's lustful. It's impatient. It gets angry too quickly. It's uncaring. It's consumeristic and greedy. My old clothes, my old self says that if it doesn't benefit me, I want nothing to do with it. It is not worth my time. And so I'm not going to change. How many of us have some old self that we need to change out of? How many of us have some old self, some sin that we're holding on to because we like it and we're just slapping a name tag on it, hoping it goes away? It's not how it works. I'm a Christian now. Jesus saved me. Name tag. I'm changed. It's not how it works. Sometimes we try to fix it by putting on just a little bit of Jesus, right? We say, okay, you know what? Name tag's not going to work. Okay, but what if, what if I just, what if I just take this piece of Jesus that is really obvious and everybody can see, yeah? The tie right in the front. I'm gonna do something for the sake of God's glory that is good, God wants me to do, but I'm not going to put on the whole Jesus. I'm just gonna put on some of it. I'm gonna stop lying, but don't ask me to give you the whole truth if I don't have to. Or I'm gonna stop cheating on my wife, but don't ask me to give up porn because that's not hurting anybody. Or I'm gonna quit fighting with my siblings, but I'm not gonna forgive them if they hurt me first. No, that's too much. I'll give my tithe. I'll show up on Sunday morning. I'll sit every Sunday and I'll listen and I'll worship, but don't ask me to serve. That's too much. I'm not going to share Jesus with somebody else in the church who needs it. Life change. There it is. I got a little piece of Jesus. I did this for my wife last night and she said, that's ridiculous. I said, good, you got the point. (laughs) It's ridiculous to say that This right here, this little piece of Jesus that I've put on is life change. It's not because I still haven't gotten rid of the old stuff. I still haven't let Jesus get rid of the old sin that is holding me back from the new life that he has for me. This is where we start making excuses, right? Because now under most circumstances, we're like, okay, I see that I have to change it, but I'm in a a position here, Pastor Matt. Here's one of our positions. We like who we are too much. 
Okay, we like our old self. We're comfortable with the way we act. We justify our position. We defend our opinions, the way that we think. We like it. And then we give all these reasons why we like it too much, so we don't have to. We're not gonna. But there is a second position, and this is where a lot of us get stuck, unfortunately, but it's you don't like your old self. You're like, dude, these are nasty. I don't like my old self. I hate the way that I am. People have said, Pastor Matt, I can't stand myself. But it's just the way I am, and I'll never be different. I can't change. I don't know how. And I say, well, what's stopping you? And then, then, then the excuses come, whether they believe an excuse they're saying or not. Maybe somebody has told you before, you'll never change. That's a lie. Maybe someone has said, you'll never amount. And that's a lie too. Maybe said, someone said, those, those jammies you're wearing are way too nasty and there's no way you should ever even try to take them off. Don't, don't even bother now. Well, those are lies too. We start to believe these lies. We start to believe that we can't change, we won't change, and there's no way we even should. That's the third spot, is making up a reason for why you don't have to. And to be, if I could be real for a minute, this is usually where I get stuck. I tend to be most often in the camp where I remember that change is a choice, and I remember it's a choice I have to make, but then I forget that change itself really has everything to do with the contents of my character and not the way that I function normally. It has to do with what's on the inside. It has to do with who I believe I am and what I believe is right. And guess who gets to define that? God does. Jesus is the one who created us. He's the one who tells us the contents of our character. If we're in neither one of the make it, make it up or, or believe a lie excuses, then we have to start remembering that change starts on the inside. Let me, let me read some more scripture to you here. There was a time in the Old Testament where God's people asked for a king. And God said, no, that's a terrible idea. You're supposed to be worshiping me. If I give you a king, you're going to worship him. It's not happening. And they said, God, give us a king. He said, no. And they said, God, give us a king. And he said, no. And they said, God. And he said, fine, I'll give you a king. Here's Saul. He's a good man. He's taller than the rest. He's going to listen to me. And he did for a little while. And then he got comfortable listening to the people instead of God. He started putting on some pajamas that were grungy. And God said, man, I told you this was going to happen, and now i got to pick a new king. So he sent the prophet Samuel to the house of a man named Jesse in Bethlehem. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, Samuel shows up to this guy's house, and he sees Jesse's firstborn son. And the firstborn son is a handsome dude. He is tall, he is strong, he's responsible, he's well-mannered. And Samuel says, check this guy out. He looks like a king. This is the guy. I like this guy. And God tells Samuel, no, not that guy, because I don't look at the outward appearance. I look at the heart. First Samuel chapter 16, verse 7 says that uh, the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. If we treat clothing ourselves with Christ as simply changing our outward appearance without letting God change our character first, then we're doing no more than putting on a name tag or a little piece of Jesus. We are still living in that old self. And this position is the trickiest one to be in because now it no longer comes into play of the things we're doing. Now it's who we are. And that is tough. How many of you wrestle with who you are? I know I do. 
If you've ever taken a personality profile or test or assessment, raise your hand. Maybe you've had to do it for work. Um, these can be a ton of fun. And I actually really, really like these. I've had to take a, plenty of them over the years. Um, but this is where we start to make excuses. We say, well, change isn't necessary because it's just the way I am or it's my personality, right? If you've ever taken a disk profile, take a look at this picture. The disk profile puts you on an axis inside a circle. One is, are you extroverted or introverted? Do you, do you get your motivation from the outside or the inside? The other one is, do you get your decision-making choices from your emotions or from logical thinking? Now, based on what I've been doing up here so far, where do you think I exist? Okay, The I category is the fast-paced, outspoken, accepting, and warm. I am extroverted and emotional. When you take it, they put a little dot somewhere on the inside of the circle to tell you where you fall. My dot would be on the outside of the circle if it was possible because of how just ridiculously eccentric of a person I am. I'm like the, the extreme of all of the examples. If you've ever taken a Myers-Briggs test before, this one's cool. This one breaks it down even further. It says that, are you extroverted or introverted? Do you sense or do you in- improvise? Are you intuitive? Are you a thinker or a feeler? Are you a judger or are you a perceiver? And it, it breaks it down even further. Well, in this one, I am an extroverted, intuitive, feeling perceiver. This means that I make all of my decisions based on what feels good. I like to run first and ask questions later. It means I don't worry about the details. I don't even worry about the map or the journey. I'm just going to go. I'm going to dream big. It's going to be fun, and I'll pick up the pieces after I'm done having fun. Right? How many of you are in here, and you're like, that's me. Yeah, let's go do it. Road trip right now. How many of you are in here, and you're like, oh my gosh, that sounds like anxiety. <laughs> right? You're like, I trust this man with my children. I can't do this anymore. It's okay, it's okay, it's okay. You can trust me, you can trust me, because here's why. These things, this is how I naturally function, but it's completely separate from my character, okay? Turn your neighbor and say, your peculiar personality is no excuse for your poor character, okay? (laughs) We all are a little weird. We all got our peculiar personalities. We're all strange in our own way. We all naturally function in one way or another, but... Those things are not the contents of your heart. They're how the contents of your heart comes out. And sometimes it can be hard for people who are different than each other to understand those things. But listen, if I spent all my time running, goofing off, doing things that make me feel good, instead of taking care of my kids and my wife, I am disobeying God's command to be the head of the household. I'm disobeying God's command to take care of my family. If I spend all my resources, my time and my money on stuff that makes me feel good instead of what's good for me, I am going to be unhealthy. I'm going to get fat. I'm going to have no money left and probably no family left after that either because of all the funds I've wasted. If I did not plan ahead when preparing for this morning, we'd be talking about who knows what and none of you would learn a thing, okay? I don't like to plan ahead, but I do so that God can use me. My personality has nothing to do with the contents of my character, Do you know who gets to define your character? Jesus does. God does. His word, the Holy Spirit speaking to you, those wise people in your life that can tell you what God has said and done. Who you are on the inside is who Christ says you are. Your values, your morals, what you do because what you believe is right or wrong, it all comes from being clothed in Christ. It's got nothing to do with how you naturally function and everything to do with allowing Christ to determine the contents of your character. 
But we sure don't want to admit that. We like to believe that our personalities are really the way we are and we pretend that it's the way I am and I I naturally function so it's the way it's always going to be. And oh, oh, mm, I know what I'll say. God made me this way, so he must not want me to change. Yeah, we've said that before. Or, or, or God doesn't need me to change because he loves me for who I am. Well, yeah, that's true. God did make you that way and God does love you the way, or no matter where you are. But that does not mean that God loves who you are. I'm gonna say it again really carefully and I want you to listen really closely because it could make you upset if you're not paying attention. God does love you no matter who you are. And God does love you no matter what you've done. And God does say you will be a new son or daughter no matter what. And I love you. I sent my son for you because I love you. But that doesn't mean that I like the way you are right now. I have something much better for you. And you have to give up old self in order to put on new self. That's really hard. It's really hard to come to that conclusion. It's really hard to understand that. And here we, now we start to get mad. We say, well, how can you say that, Pastor Matt? How can you say that God wants me to be different when this is the way it's always been? And I say, well, because of all the times he has done it for other people. In the Bible, we have tons of examples of this. Let's take Saul of Tarsus for our first example here. Saul of Tarsus in Acts chapter nine was a Pharisee. He was a leader of the Jewish people. And when God had gone into heaven, when when Jesus had ascended, when he went and Christianity was blowing up, people were getting saved. Everybody was running around talking about Jesus. The Jews freaked out and Paul got angry and he said, I am going to put a stop to this. And so he walked around arresting and murdering Christians. The Bible says that he breathed out murderous threats daily. Yikes, that guy has got something wrong with his character. Okay. He got permission to travel to a nearby city to arrest Christians there. And while on the road, Christ appeared to him in a blinding light, knocked him to the ground, blinded him. And Jesus said, Saul, why are you doing this to me? And Saul said, oh my goodness, who are you, Lord? And he says, I'm Jesus. You're going to go into the city. Somebody is going to heal you. And from now on, you're going to work for me. So Saul did. He was blind. He stumbled around blind for the next three days, and God sent a man named Ananias to go heal Saul. Once it happened, Saul's name became Paul. He realized that he was in the wrong. He decided to follow Jesus. He immediately began preaching the word and dedicated his entire life to proving to others around the world that Jesus was truly the Son of God and that his life would be worship to him. He repented from a life of aggression towards Christ and his entire life changed with the decision to put off old self and to step into new self through Christ, to put on a life of service to Christ like a new pair of clothes. Let's go all the way to the beginning. Let's talk about Abram to Abraham. Maybe you've heard this story, saying the song with your kids. Father Abraham had many sons. Well, not at first, okay? Abram was a super old dude who had a dying family that was living in the middle of nowhere, and he had no idea if he was going to make it out with a new family or not. Abram had no kids because his wife was barren, and one day God came to him and said, Abram, I want you to move. I want you to leave everything behind, your father's land, your culture, your very, very small amount of family you can take with you, but it's time to be different. And Abraham, or excuse me, Abram said, well, where am I going? 
God said, I'll show you. Did not know where he was going yet. God said, I show, I'll show you. But I promise you that you will have a family and that I will multiply you into an entire nation under God. So Abraham left. He moved with absolutely no idea where he was going and no idea what would happen next. When he got there, he trusted God. He went, and as soon as he was there, God established a covenant with him. Abram built an altar to him, and God began to grow his family like he promised. His name was changed to Abraham, and eventually his offspring multiplied into the nation of Israel, God's chosen people. He was a man who trusted God to guide him and to lead him and whose entire life changed in the decision to put off old culture, to put off where he was comfortable and move to a life of service to the Lord. Are you convinced yet? Well, I'm going to tell you one more story anyways. There's a little man named Zacchaeus. Miss Jackie uh, was telling me I said it wrong. I said Zacchaeus because that's how us youpers up close to Wisconsin grew up saying Zacchaeus. And she said, that's wrong. It's Zacchaeus. I said, okay, Grandma Jackie. A tax collector named Zacchaeus lived in Jericho. And uh, Zacchaeus, what he would do is he would go around to people's houses or he'd sit in a booth and he would collect the taxes of the nation. He would give the taxes to the governor, except he would charge people way more than the tax actually was. He would keep the difference and put it in his pocket. His riches multiplied. The Bible says he was a rich tax collector. And back in the day, nobody liked the tax collectors because everybody knew it happened. He was a liar, a cheater, and a thief, and really, really rich. He was a very obvious sinner, but not for long. Zacchaeus heard that Jesus was coming to his city, and so he ran to the center of town and climbed a tree. He said, the Bible says he was short. He couldn't see over the crowd. So he climbed up into a sycamore tree on the road. And as Jesus came into town, he drew near. He was preaching to the people as he was walking. There was this huge crowd around him. In the middle of it, he stopped and he pointed right at Zacchaeus. And he said, Zacchaeus, come down because I'm going to your house. And all the people said, what? Jesus is going to go to this sinner's house? Well, Zacchaeus is like, yes, the rabbi is coming to my house. I'm going to get to show him my luxury. Everybody's going to see that Jesus is with me. But that's not what happened. Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house and something happened. Life changed happened. The Bible says that people were grumbling, but Jesus told Zacchaeus about how much he loved him, cared for him, and forgave him. And so the Bible says that Zacchaeus realized what he was doing wrong. He stood up and he declared, I'll be different. He said, see, Lord, that I will give half of all of my possessions to the poor. And if there's anybody in this city that I've cheated, I will give it back to them fourfold, four times the amount that was taken. Jesus immediately said, salvation has come to this house and he is a son of the family of the father of God. Salvation is here. This man is different. Forgiveness was given to him. Jesus said the house receives salvation. Zacchaeus set out a transformed man. In all these stories, God spoke to somebody. He gave them an opportunity to be transformed. He gave them a blessing by understanding who they were in him. And then they gave God the glory for it. It's time for us to do the same thing. It's time for us to stop making excuses about how comfortable our old self is or that we can't take it off because it's too hard. It's time to get rid of the sin we're stuck in and it's time to put on Christ like a brand new pair of clothes. God came to Paul on the road, to Abram in the country, Zacchaeus in his home, and he's coming to you now. 
Maybe he has been showing up to you through a friend over and over again. God gave these men an opportunity to be transformed, and this morning is our opportunity. They chose to let God transform them. This is very interesting. God did not force any of them to do that. Paul could have sat down in the road and he could have said, what the heck, Jesus, I'm blind. I hate you even more now and I'm gonna work twice as hard to make it awful for your people. But he didn't. But we do that. We say, what the heck, Jesus? I got hurt. I got cancer. My car crashed. My kid ran away. What the heck, Jesus? But God says, you don't know what's coming next. Abraham could have refused. He could have stayed comfortably, said, nope, I'm fine here. It's going to be way too hard to move to a place I've never gone. Nope, God, I'm not going to take that next step that you want me to. Nope, God, I can't do that. I'm just going to sit here. I haven't seen you move in my life yet, so there's no way I'm going to do something now. Zacchaeus could have prized his possessions and rejected Christ. Zacchaeus could have been comfortable with the things he was doing, but they weren't. God gave them a blessing, not for the sake of the person. They understood who they were through Christ, and now... They worship God with their actions. It is our time to do the exact same things. So take a moment. Consider yourself in the opportunity to change. Think about the things that are happening in your life. Think about the old clothes that you are wearing. Think about the sin that you need to get rid of. Think about the things you want to be transformed from and then declare it. This morning, it is time to be transformed. It's time to take off our old self. Take a look at Colossians 3, chapter, excuse, chapter 3, verses 9 through 12. Paul is telling his people, he said, it's time to change. It is to put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature, your sexual immorality, your impurity, your lust, your evil desires, your greed, your idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of Jesus is coming. The wrath of God is coming. I don't want that. I want to be different. So here it is. I'm taking them off. I'm taking off my old ways. I'm going to walk in a new life. I am going to rid myself of all such things as anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from my lips. It's gone. I'm not going to say those things to my family, my wife, my boss. Not anymore. I'm putting Jesus on. I'm not going to lie to each other. I'll take off my old self with its practices. I will put on new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of my creator, my God, my Jesus, who is changing my life. There is no Gentile, no Jew, no circumcised, no uncircumcised, no barbarian, no Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and is in all. It doesn't matter what you've done before. It doesn't matter what nasty jammies you had on earlier. It is time to put on, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. It is time to put on Christ. It is time to allow God to change you. It is time to choose to throw those nasty things away. It's time to let God transform us. Now, at this point, it's pretty easy to be like, "Mm, look what I got on. I love my coat. Look at how good I am. But that's not the end of the transformation. No, no, no. This isn't me. This is Jesus. This is Jesus that I'm putting on. This is not for my glory. It's for his glory. Okay? I do feel like I look pretty good, though, so... Change is a form of worship. I am choosing to wear Jesus from here on out. My old self is gone. My new self is here because of the power of Christ. And so now I'm going to do like those men did, and I'm going to worship God with my entire life. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Does anybody know this one? 
It's a pretty famous one. It says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you've been in church for a while, if you've been around, if you've read scriptures, you know this one. It gets talked about all the time. Some of you are like, oh, I wonder when he was going to use that one. That's like the transformation one, man. Like, that's the verse. You should have started that with with that one, Pastor Matt. But I'm going to say, not quite. Because as much as I love this verse, that's not even the end of it. There's a whole nother half that nobody likes to talk about. Nobody reads. This is a super overquoted line of the Bible that everybody likes to use when talking about God's power to change. But that's not even the point of why Paul writes it. You guys ready to go a little deeper with me here? Let's read what Paul says in Romans chapter, excuse me, yes, wow, that hour hit me a lot harder than I thought. Romans chapter 12, let's learn about what happens after deciding to follow in Christ and choosing to allow God to change us. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true form of proper worship. Yuck my whole body as a sacrifice, my whole life, all of it. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then it continues, you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. When you're transformed and you put on Christ, it does not stop here. It continues. It keeps going. Paul says that change comes with a proving of God's will, that God's will is what you will be transformed by. He will tell you who you are. You clothe yourself in Christ, and then he gets the credit for it. Psalms 115 verse 1 says, not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. After we have decided to change, we have made the choice, we are transformed by his power, your actions prove that, but it's not for your sake, it's for Christ's. He gets the credit. And this is sometimes the hardest part of transformation. Our lives become a living sacrifice. Who we are and everything we do is defined by being clothed in Christ. It is God changing you on the inside so that who you are on the outside brings him glory. To be transformed is to put off old self and to put on Christ. The renewing of your mind is to understand that you have a choice to clothe yourself with Jesus. You have a choice. You do not have to stay stuck in that old self. You have the choice to let God change you and then after he does, With his power, you get to show the world. You get to wear Christ, and it feels good. It's not always easy. Wearing these isn't fun. Like I said, I'd pretend I'd rather wear those jammies. I I like to look good, but I can't play in a suit coat. It gets hard sometimes, but it's real, and the transformation is necessary. God says, this is better for you. Trust me. Even if you don't think so, it's time to put off old self and put on new self. So what is it that you have to put off? What are the things that you need to put beside you? What are the contents of your character that need to be changed? And then once it happens, are you ready to give God the glory for it? You are able to be transformed by Christ. You are able to experience transformation. And once you do, we get to celebrate and worship God together.
That's why we're here. And it keeps going for the rest of our lives and it keeps going into the lives of others around us too. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come up. I'm gonna pray. We're gonna move into a time of communion shortly. But as I pray, think about old self for a minute. Think about the grungy stuff that you're still wearing and let's give it all to God today. Let's give all of it to the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, you are so good to us. Who you are is amazing. Who you are is incredible. You are worthy of praise. There is hope in your name. You have declared victory over sin. You have given us new life. We don't deserve it. We are sitting in our grungy old self and we know that we can't get out without your help. Lord, this morning we choose to step into new life. We choose to be transformed by you. We choose to let you point out the things that need to change and then we give it up to you. We put off old self, God. If there's anyone in here this morning who has said to themselves and you say, I I don't even have a relationship with Jesus yet. I need Christ. I need him to, to change me completely. I need him to be my Lord and Savior. I need a faith. Just throw your hand up real quick. And if you don't throw it up, God knows. You're saying, I need a relationship with Christ. I want to admit that I'm a sinner, that I've made mistakes, and I need a relationship with him. I need to be saved by Jesus. Lord, we pray that you come into all of our hearts today. Lord, we pray that you are here with us. Lord, we know we've made mistakes. We know we've sinned. We ask for forgiveness. We declare that you are our King, you are our Lord and Savior, and we give our hearts to you. If you're struggling with an old self, if there is a sin that you're stuck in, if there's a piece of your character that you know needs to change, give it to God. Throw up your hand real quick. Lord, we pray for transformation. We pray for life change. God, we know that this is not your will for us, what we're sitting in. We know that grungy old self that's stuck needs to be changed, and we give you permission to do it. We give it up to you. We put it off this morning. We shake it in your mighty name. We ask for healing. We ask for forgiveness, and we ask for transformation, and we know that you have declared victory over it already. Lord, we celebrate the victory over the change that's going to happen, and we give you the glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're going to move into a time of communion.